Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 108. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, here today with Kona the Podcast Dog, who has some stinky breath at the moment, actually. I hope you all had a nice week, a great weekend, a great Super Bowl weekend. Super Bowl 55, Super Bowl 2021 is behind us, and depending on whether you are a Tom Brady fan or not, you are either very happy or very displeased. But at this point, it's pretty hard to disagree. The man's pretty good at football. (laughs) I myself am more of a fan of the football where you use your feet. So I I don't follow it that closely. I do usually watch the Super Bowl uh, and I enjoyed the game. I was kind of indifferent to who won. I did really enjoy the halftime show. Shout out to The Weeknd representing Toronto in Scarborough. I thought, especially given all the limitations, he did a great job, an outstanding job, actually. In fact, it's probably the best live performance I've seen in a year. (laughs) And always great to see Canadian artists doing their thing. And we've had some incredible Canadian artists on the podcast over the last few weeks with J.J. Wild and Matt Mays. And today we're going to continue that trend as we've got Toronto-born artist Scott Hellman on the podcast who is incredibly talented. The guy's been writing hits since he was in high school, and we pretty much grew up in the same neighborhood, but uh, no one was coming to me for record deals uh, when I was 15. (laughs) But I am in just an absolute awe of his songwriting ability and his musical talent. And he's got a new record, which is called Nonesuch Park. And the essay at the end of the title means side A. So he's working on a second part right now. So we interrupted the songwriting process to get this interview and to pick Scott's brain a little bit. And he's certainly got a lot of interesting things to say. So I'm looking forward to sharing this with you guys. And before we get into it, why don't we do the Adamantium Recommend segment? So that's five Scott Hellman songs recommended by myself in the Adamantium podcast. And I always like to start with something new. So off None Such Parkside A, I'm going to recommend the song Wait No More. And the second song I'm going to recommend is a single he put out in 2018 called Hang Ups. And the third song I'm going to recommend comes from his first full-length album from 2017. The album's called Hotel de Ville. And the song I'm going to recommend is called Ripple Effect. And then going back to that debut EP from 2014, the EP was called Augusta. I'm going to recommend the song That Sweater. And then, of course, I recommend Scott's breakthrough single, Bungalow. All right. If you are new to the Adamantium podcast, thank you for tuning in today. Maybe you're a Scott Hellman fan that has just found our podcast for the first time. If and when you enjoy today's episode, we would absolutely love for you to hit that subscribe button on whichever podcast network you choose to get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it would be even more awesome if you could leave us a five-star review. And, of course, you can find the Adamantium podcast on social media. We're on Instagram at the Adamantium on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. All right, so we'll keep the intro mumbo-jumbo to a minimum today and get right into today's virtual series episode, which is episode number 108 that features Scott Hellman. I know you're going to enjoy it, so uh, sit back, relax, or be running or exercising or whatever you do when you listen to your podcast. Enjoy it. Enjoy life. 
and we will catch you again next week. Have an awesome one, everyone. Hey. Hey, what's up, man? How are you? Good, man. How you doing? Good. Oh, shoot. My dog just... Oh, hey, buddy. Well, yeah, mine's right here, too. <laughs> we actually... Because uh, I, I seen a picture on your Instagram. We actually have very similar looking dogs. Oh, nice. You have a Doberman? Well, she kind of... She's a, she's a rescue mix of some sort. And uh, it looks like she might have some miniature Doberman in her. Oh, nice. I'm yeah. just going to throw him out of here because... He is a troublemaker. What's his name? His name's Iggy. Iggy. Just gonna throw him downstairs. Oh, so, so how old is he? He's like four months. Okay. Okay. So he's still yeah. such a pup. <laughs> yeah, he's the best, but he's still young, so he'll he'll eat anything he finds. Are you? Uh, how are you? Good man. Good. Are you still uh, cleaning up a lot after him? <laughs> oh man. It's <laughs> like the first two months were just a, sh- a nightmare, right? I would say it's a yeah. bit of a night. I know. I know. It's I remember when I got her, especially because she was she was a rescue. And so she was actually four months when I got her, but had no uh, kind of house training at all. And so the first like four months of her life, she just went wherever she pleased. And so oh, yeah. and for like it took me another four months to house train her. And the first, like you said, the first two months, I was, it was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're still finding stuff around the house. But I mean, he know, I think he knows where to go now. He's just really a small dog. So he'll just, he just like lets it go. But he's getting better. I, I'm hoping by like five, six months, he'll be like in the clear. Yeah, really. It's, it's, it's a funny, people say it and it's actually true. It's almost just like overnight one day, they just get it. Yeah anyways but yeah so how's how's life man i heard you're working on something new at the moment yeah i'm working on the second half of this record um it's so funny like i put out a record and it was like the first half of a record when the second half you know has been in the works for a while but it's still not finished but like i'm i'm enjoying it because it gives me some guidance in like what i'm doing like i know that i'm extending a body of work rather than just creating a whole new one which is like nice because i'm not just aimlessly creating in the dark Mm -hmm. so yeah i'm just excited i feel like really there's some songs that i'm like i've never been so excited i know i say that every time i make music but there's some songs that i've been sitting on for quite a long time that i've just been waiting for like a really good moment to put out so i think it's probably a, a good thing when you're excited every time Cause that, yeah. I think that's justification of you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right. I think so too. Yeah. I feel more excited about this half though, than I do about the first half. And I don't know if really? it's because, yeah, I don't know if it's because of the things I just mentioned, but I just think it's just because like, I've been sitting on some songs that I'm just like really, really excited about for quite okay. a long time. I haven't felt, you know, COVID happened and, and it's just, just, I just been like waiting. So I'm just excited. Yeah. Cause I know that I have great stuff. You said you've been working on some of these songs for quite a while. Did, did the idea for the second part of the album kind of evolve at all in the last little while? Um, what do you mean by that? Like, like, you know, what you maybe had been 
working on or thinking of say even pre pandemic and, and, you know, everything that's happened in the last year to yourself and all of us in general um, and what's going on in the world did, did that, did your idea for the second part of the album, did it change at all? Did it change from, Hey, here's what I have already. And then, Hey, look, everything, this has all happened in the last year. Now I don't necessarily feel this way, but I feel a little yeah, bit. I'd say definitely like, the music that I've written for side B after the pandemic has just been different because just naturally because of life and also mm-hmm. like this great time I've tried writing a, from the perspective of like the pandemic perspective, but I don't know. Music's it's, an escape for me. And like, hard, I don't really- it's a kind of a hard and an odd and weird thing to do. I've like, whenever I hear a very specific COVID song, it does. It doesn't. It feels a little forced. I. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if you feel. It's- I don't know. Like I don't want to hear a song about like being cooped up or like the right. feeling of like, the, like all those other even external things about the the pandemic. Like you know, music's always been an escape for me. Like when I even when I wrote Bungalow, like I was going mm. through a horrible time in my life when I wrote that song. <laughs> like yeah, I was happy person and like. I, all my friends moved away and like, I was alone in Toronto making a record. Like, mm-hmm. and even though that song's so joyful and like has so much hope in it, like that's why I wrote it, you know, because right. I wasn't like vibing at the you time. So yeah, I don't know. And I don't know. I just think I've grown a lot as a person during this mm-hmm. pandemic. Like I've actually had t- the first time in my life I've been able to like sit down and think about stuff for a minute, and, like mm-hmm. take my time and like grow a lot. So I feel like, I just feel like a, like writing about that stuff is more important than like, you know, all the COVID right. shit. Yeah. <laughs> do you get more excited as a piece comes together or do you get fatigued of it or? It depends on the song. Like some songs are so easy, you know, like mm-hmm. I just wrote a song yesterday, the, well, yesterday, but the other day, that's like a bongo, a vocal and like, mm-hmm. that's it. Right. Like literally like it was like, three tracks and i've never i haven't been excited about a song like that in months and um every time i open up the session i'm just so excited to just like you know and i have to stop myself from putting stuff in it because i love how bare it is whereas like sometimes you know songs can just get like it gets so productiony and then you just get so tired of like trying to figure out how to make it make sense but um it just yeah so it depends on the song but um yeah because it's, it's, it's yeah. like Sometimes you hear about like chefs who spend like three hours on a recipe. And then by the time they actually get to eat it, they're like, oh, it's just this, you know, even yeah. it probably does taste good, but I've worked slaves so hard over it. I don't even feel like eating it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's the true test of how good the thing is that you made. Right. Like, like I don't fear for like overworking something just because mm-hmm. like, I still love the song. I still love the song. And like, if I don't, if if something happens where I don't, I'm just like, I don't think this is like good enough. Like, and, and also, and also I've heard from so many artists that like, uh, you know, if a song, you, like you're saying, if there's something missing from it that could come to you like three years from now, four years from now, what? That song? Yeah. Um, I had a, have you ever, do you know the, uh, the artist Barnes Courtney? No. Okay. Great. Great English American artist. He has a song that's on the radio all the time called 99. And it's got okay. this wicked synth riff through the chorus. And he's like, man, I sat on that song for two years or something, something crazy like that. 
And he's like that. And he's like, I knew there was something missing. And he's like, that synth riff came to his head just like one day, like two years later. And, uh, and that's like so, his big, like his, his radio hit. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess you never know. <laughs> you don't. And it's like, that's, yeah, it's the hard thing. And the great thing about it is like, you just got to trust the process. And I, I know that's cheesy, but at the end of the mm-hmm. day, like you're, if you get, if I get fatigued from a song, I'm just like, I just try to move on. And I, I don't know, but that's also like, sometimes you have to power through, but the song, no, you, the song will tell you what it needs you to do usually. Mm-hmm. And if it's like, you step back and take a second, um, you know, sometimes you'll write a song that you love so much and then you'll start producing it and you can't figure it out. Like I have a song like that right now. That's really cool. And I love it, but I just like, I don't know how to make it make sense. And I think part of it too, is like, because I wrote it and it's so kind of like acoustic and it's not, it doesn't have a lot that it calls for production wise. Like, because my record isn't done yet, I'm trying to fit it into all these boxes, like make it like be an amped song or like really upbeat or like give mm. it like this kind of production or that kind of production. Whereas like, I feel like I'm just going to let that song be for now, write the rest of my record and then go back and be like, okay, like sonically, what am I missing? And can this mm-hmm. song fit any of those sonics, you know? Does it like torture you in the back of your head? Like, I oh, know yes. it's there, it's there and I need to finish horrible. it. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. I can imagine him. I can imagine that's maybe the blessing of not being able to write lyrics. Is <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. I mean, yeah. You don't worry about those things. <laughs> um, so the album is the new album is called Non Such Park um, Side A. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm assuming the second part's also going to be called Non Such Park. Yeah, Non Such Park Side B. And that's an actual. That is an actual park. Yes, and. It is. Yeah. It's just, it's just around the corner from where my grandfather used to live. And it was just kind of this place where like, you know, I don't, it's weird because I would go to England, like when things mattered, you know, like for Mm -hmm. wedding or a bar mitzvah or like when my grandmother died or, Mm -hmm. you know, when like to go see my family and like, it was always an event. So, you know, that, and it was always crazy and hectic and there's all these things to do and places to see and, you know, and it was like this end of a time or the beginning of a time or I was taking a big break or anything like that. So, and you know, this park was always like this place that I would go to either by myself or like with my family or, you know, whatever. And it was just this like beautiful place where I would just let things be and like mm-hmm. think about things. And I just think everybody has that place, you mm-hmm. know, so I think everybody at least has that place in their mind where like, you you can go to and like you can see your life as one whole and you can really understand things and like see things in perspective and and that's just what i try to do in my music so i just kind of wanted to dedicate that you know mm. park to the record and my grandfather to the record and try yeah to tell, make me, tell me about your grandfather's influence on this album well so my grandfather passed away kind of halfway through making this record oh geez and um Sorry, you know it's okay. I mean, it is what it is. And mm-hmm. like, I was on tour, um, in the U S I was on the West, uh, West coast, I think on the West coast. And I got a call from my mom and he had passed away and it sucked. And it was the, one of the worst things ever. And, um, you know, uh, and I tried to make sense of it and tried to write about it for a while. And, um, and I couldn't, it was really hard. And then, you know, I finally was able to kind of get a song out, which is called Papa. And, you know, once I wrote that song, I realized like, 
I was able to kind of like see my grandfather's life as this like gift. And, and, you know, it's so funny when we think about like people that have passed away, we always think about them in these like really big ways, like how they like, you know, we try, I, when I think about writing a song about my grandfather, it's like grand and it's very like, you know, the big lessons, but like my grandfather taught me so many things. Like he taught me how to love, like he taught me how to like drink wine properly. He taught me how to like, have a laugh. And I think so many of the ways that I am are because of him. So I just wanted to dedicate this record to him. All my other records have been kind of dedicated to myself, like places I lived or places I went to. And I just, just like, I just want to dedicate this record to him. And even songs like true crime or like, you know, good Mm -hmm. problems. Like I I, I can think of a way that he relates to everything that I've learned. So yeah, yeah, that's kind of it really. And and at the end of the day, the song is, the the record is really about just trying to make connections and like, and just, just the way that I see the world. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's just, I think, very much- I think like grandparents, maybe, maybe because they don't, they, they can look after you and influence you without actually having the responsibility of you being theirs, that I think they can really teach you how to enjoy life. And at the same time, keep uh, your fundamentals where they are. And that, that's what I remember about my grandfather as well. Like he just loved life and, uh, you know, he was just fun to be around. And uh, that's what I remember. So I, I always get really sick because I have, I have younger cousins who like my, my grandfather passed away when I was about 14, 15. Uh, so I have younger cousins who don't even remember him. And uh, I always feel really sad because I, I remember the, the grand influence, like the big personality he was. And, uh, I feel like most, that's a lot of people's experience with grandparents, you know, cause they, yeah. they live life, they've lived life and they know how to enjoy it now. I think. It's such a hard thing to learn. And it's so weird. We go from these little children who know so well how to enjoy ourselves. And then we, we, so, we, like, like, we lose it. It's so weird. And then we get it mm-hmm. back. And it's so weird. It's so, so weird. Um, but yeah, like, I think the point of life is to enjoy yourself. Mm -hmm. Like that's the goal of life. It's the ultimate goal is to like, is to enjoy yourself. And I think that that's been interpreted as like hedonism or like, you know, being cheap or like, you know, shallow, but I don't think so. I think like the goal of freedom, the goal of liberty, the goal of, um, equality and equity and, um, you know, justice, all those things are like for, you know to enjoy life. And like, that is the goal, the pursuit of happiness. And, you know, my father knew that he knew that. So, I mean, the guy Mm -hmm. stage dived at my brother's bar mitzvah and he was like, you know, he was not, (laughs) he was not a light man. I'll put it that way. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy. And I think there's this mentality, like, especially in North America where it's like, it's like you, you're, it's not okay to enjoy life until you've worked really hard to get there kind of thing like you it's always the biggest need to be lie of, all right you always need to be working so hard and you need to earn that yeah. enjoyment you know and you know uh i mean if you obviously if you enjoy your work that's an amazing but i don't think you you don't live life to work you know no. <laughs> you work to live life and uh yeah you're right it is it's a it's a, it's a hard thing to come you know it's a hard thing to grasp and just just to love life all the time. It's harder than it sounds, obviously. 
Yeah, no, it's weird. It's a weird thing and it's tough. And at the end of the day, like, I'm really cognitive of like the fact that there's a lot of people out there that like weren't as fortunate as my grandfather. Although, you know, mm. my grandfather didn't come from like wealth or anything like that, but right. you know, he, he was wealthy himself and he was, he had privilege himself. Um, you know, but, um, not, but, but in spite of that, I feel like, um, we can learn so much from our, the pe- yeah. like our elders and our grandparents and, um, you know, my, my grandfather was also a Jewish man living in, in England and like, right. you know, like the 19, the 1950s and like that, that's crazy. Out of water. But, yeah. You know, so it, it's just interesting, like how I, I just think it puts it in perspective. And like, you know, at the end of my grandfather's life, I was sitting across from a man who had lung cancer, who was at the end of his life. And I still saw that light in his eyes and that joy and that like lust, you know, for, for being alive. And, um, and I hope wherever I end up, I still have that as well. So then that's really, that's it. Um, you have this really good ability to kind of tackle these heavy feelings like, and, and topics like relationships and divorce and just the state of the planet and, and really spin them in a very lighthearted and kind of uh, happy way. Um, do you have a process for doing that? Or is that just kind of your personality coming out? I think it's probably a bit of both. Like okay. the sadness of artists, we learn how to mine what, 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 you know, what the gold that we have in us. And mm. it's, that's a weird thing about it. But yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I guess I have, a, I've always had like a lot to say for better or for worse. and. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I just love music with a point, you know? Mm. And I, I just, I guess like, I feel lucky that I'm a songwriter. Like I know there's, you know, amazing artists out there that aren't and that sing songs that other people write, which is awesome. And I like, think that's equally as important as anything else Mm. but you know i am a songwriter like and i have the luxury of being able to like say what i want to say in my own music and so you know why not say something like useful and worthwhile and meaningful Mm -hmm. um and at the same time too like i think listeners often forget like or maybe they don't maybe this is just a insecurity or perceived thing but like the music i write is like like it helps me like I, I learn things when I write songs and like I arrive at new truths and like heal and, and get, get, you know, I, I emotionally grow when I write. So like, you know, the, the what, like that's at least why I like played music ever to begin mm. with. Like I was a moody ass kid and like had a lot of shit going on and like, wasn't, you know, I, I had like a lot that I was had on the mind and like that I was trying to figure out and, like I turned to music for that reason. Mm-hmm. So that's just always been my MO. Like, right. you know. And once uh, I mean, the amazing thing too is, is what is healing for you could heal someone else, but in a completely different way or purpose. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's yeah. one of my favorite games to play when I play live. Like for instance, like I have this song called Gaslight, right? And it's like okay. about this person that just like, really didn't do anything good for me and manipulated me a lot and like i play that song live and like i know what i'm thinking about but yeah. 
I'll look at uh, like someone in like the front row and they're just like belting out the words and like crying or whatever. And I'm just looking at them and I'm like, damn, like, what are they thinking about? Like what, like what, what, what happened in their life that, that like they relate to this song. It's like so crazy to me that that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I get jacked up. I, I recently, I just had last week, I did one of these with Matt Mays. And there's one of his songs called Building a Boat or whatever. And I'm like, man, I have, have so much fun listening to this song. It just puts me in a happy place. And he's like, well, that's interesting because I wrote that song. It was really sad. <laughs> I was like, oh, like I never would have known. You know, he's like, yeah, it's crazy what, you know, melody can do. And it can, you know, change the perspective of what even lyrics mean. A hundred percent. And like, I think that's the coolest thing about music. Like mm-hmm. a song great of America, that, like on Nonsense Park, like that's a song like, where I'm dealing with a lot, mm-hmm. you know, like I was really afraid of America and like, I, I was planning on and still plan to move there. And, you know, it was this really hard conversation I had to have with my girlfriend about like, damn, like, dude, like people have guns, but you can also make a billion dollars. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a weird place. Yeah. Um, or like everything. But if you break like, your arm, it might also cost you a billion dollars. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah and like everything sucks like that was my mo with that song like i really want yeah like, that that was about a time where like i ha- I was hanging on by a string like i mm-hmm. was not like okay like my life was an absolute mess um and i was like broken and beaten and um it's like one of the funnest songs i have yeah yeah <laughs> so, so um it's it's like that's the sickest thing about music is how you know depending on what notes you choose and chords you choose, like you can change your whole perspective on a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. The, the song, uh, wait no more, I think is awesome and has a great message about living in the present. Uh, you know, not dwelling on the past or the future, which I think, uh, well, that's actually what I want to ask is, is that kind of a mentality you've always had, or is that something that's kind of been more of a focus for you this year? Cause I think this year that is more relevant than ever. Uh, it's definitely it's definitely not a uh something i've always felt like okay i think i've spent a lot of my life not a lot but definitely like i've spent significant amounts of time like feeling like i'm running out of time like i think people a lot of people feel that way Mm. especially younger people like which is so funny (laughs) right like you know like you know when i at least the older i get i feel like i have more time which is so wild but um what no it's something i realized like i and i remember writing about it because it's something that i had realized like um you know i i really like actively tried to do that and realize that like i went i went through about a year when i turned 23 and this is gonna sound hilarious to anybody who is older than me but when i hit 23 i was like i'm done my Mm -hmm. life is over like I'm too old. I'm like, you know, it's so weird, but like, that was a real anxiety I had. I was like, man, like, like, you know, I'm not going to ever be able to achieve anything and like, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I just went through that. Like, and it was so weird. And then the second I hit 24, I was like, what, like, what, what was that year? I just like being so insecure about that. Like, I, I, and I, part of it is probably because I got signed when I was pretty young and I released my first mm-hmm. music when I was pretty young. So I was like, I was like, damn, like I have to grow up, but like, are the people that love my art going to grow up with me? Right. Um, and then I just kind of realized like, yeah, they will. And if they don't, whatever. And so it just kind of like, 
went away in a way. And I realized like, man, I just got to like live in the moment and do what I do and enjoy myself and like live for the moment. And I know that sounds cheesy, but like, I, I think though that, I mean, that's a, I think a very common feeling for anyone in entertainment or music or even athletes that I remember I was trying to learn something when I was 25. And I remember speaking to my coach and being like, I feel like I'm already too old to be learning this. <laughs> And now when I look back, I was like, 25, come on, man. You should have like, you know, it's crazy, double time, you know? And I was like, it's nah, so well, crazy. yeah. You know, it's it, crazy, dude. It, and it's like, dude, I remember like I turned 24. Um, and I, I, I remember like I was, I, I can't remember where I was. I was like playing some show in the States and it was like a smaller show. And I remember this feeling of just being like, like, yo, like, why do I want to be everywhere else right now? Like, why, why am I trying to like get somewhere else or do something else or achieve some new thing or like break out of this or whatever the hell? And it was just like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm in a room with like these people who are here to see me play music. Mm-hmm. And like, that's such a sick thing. And I was just like, like, fuck all that. I'm just going to enjoy myself and I'm just going to play this music and just like be whoever I am what in this moment. moment. Yeah. It was, I just remember, I remember the show is like this sweaty, weird, awesome show. And it's just like, yeah, just like really, the song really stemmed from that. Yeah. That's like what the, all the lights on the freeway and stuff. I remember we went and took pictures on the freeway and I don't know. It's just like a lot of the imagery from that song came from that night. So, okay. Yeah. Go. I think anyway. even like, even when it comes back again to the pandemic, I think at first, I remember feeling all kinds of range of emotions when this first happened and people were like, this could take a year. And I was like, no way, man. I was like, no way the world's getting a year out of my youth, you know, like, and that's what you're saying. When you feel younger, you feel like you have less. Yeah. It was like, they're stealing a year out of my youth. Like, yo, it's so, I, I, <laughs> just, just to this point, I was driving yesterday to go pick something up from like uptown and I, and I was driving home and I was driving past like a whole bunch of places where like I used to hang as like a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I remember this like feeling of like, I, 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 I was thinking about like what I used to kind of do back then and like the way I lived and like how fun it was and how much I missed that time. And then I remember I thought about that time and I was like, dude, I spent that a lot of that time thinking like, like about how it was gonna it was gonna go away and i yeah. and i had the most of it and i'm like what a waste like like because now looking back like i can't get back there like i can't do that stuff i used to do man i yeah. used to be crazy i used to do crazy stuff yeah. and like i can't do that stuff anymore and like <laughs> instead of worrying so much and like trying to hold on so much i should have just known that 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 was that and that moment that, that, to enjoy that time it. and it was yeah. it was never gonna happen again like that was my youth so it's kind of some glory days for springsteen you know yeah. same old shit. but it's so true and like i've learned that lesson and i'm trying try to apply it to my life now and just be like this is the time i'm raising a puppy I'm like, you know, I'm making a record and I'm 25 and I'm never going to be 24 or five. Am I 25, babe? Yeah. Yeah. 25. I'm never going to be 25 again. And this year, I totally, for, I recently had to fill out a, a, a form where I had to put in my age and I put, I put, a, I was a year younger than I was. And I was like, wait, just <laughs> lie to these people. Cause I totally forgot I had a 32nd birthday in that shitty year. That <laughs> the SWAT team's going to show up. Like, Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a legal form too. And you'd be like, I think I'm, yeah, you know, yeah, not yeah, all but there. Just, yeah. Like, just don't forget it now kind of thing, I think is the, right. 
is that is that whole vibe. And I, you know, we all know it. We all know it, man. Yeah. The other yeah. song I want to ask you about too, because I think it's an important song, is the song Evergreen. Um, because that is on a global scale very much more important. I mean, that the Evergreen project that you've created goes beyond the song, even. Um, so mm-hmm. can you tell for the people listening uh, what what that's all about. Yeah, well, I mean, like that song really just started like with we were writing and uh it was with like you know my usual crew and uh togs who's a wicked producer and ron who who's by and our guy and an amazing writer musician they like left and left me and simon to just chat and we just i just we just started talking about like this like I don't even know where it started. I, I was gardening a lot and my girlfriend was teaching me how to garden because I'm like useless and she was like showing me how to do it properly. She's sitting right here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she like, I you still don't know how to do it properly. <laughs> Not really. I, I, all I care about is the quick, cucumbers. I quick, yeah, really quick well. sidebar. That was one thing. I live really close to my mom and I'm really close to my mom and she got really into gardening in this last year. And I'm like, that's great, mom. Great thing to focus your attention on. Except every day it's like, hey, Adam, can you come dig a hole for me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I love that. Now I have to be into gardening because <laughs> so yeah. I get the hard, physical, dirty bit of it. <laughs> no, totally. I know it's so, it, it is really that. And like, yeah. Um, yeah, but I just feel like I, I don't know. It's really started with like, um, like I realized that like I was so into this gardening thing because like I was thinking a lot about climate change and thinking a lot about the environment and like how I really do believe that like the solution to climate change isn't solving climate change. It's actually like attuning the way we live our lives to nature. And like, I think it starts at the heart of every person and like really actually just like appreciating nature. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm an artist, so I'm always like, start at the heart first, start at like the emotional connection first. But, um, so I was just like, damn, I mean, I can say all this stuff about climate change and I can do all these things about it, but like, I really want to connect to like the earth. So got really into gardening and, and then, yeah, it started with that lyric. Like, I think I need to change a scene. I think I need to change my life. You know, like I need a change. I need, I need to look at the world differently. And then we just wrote this song about climate change and it was like really inspiring and like really beautiful. And it kind of was more about like the connection that we can have with others and like how maybe the world will burn up in flames, which is a the motif in like other songs I've written, but like, yeah. Uh, like the beauty should be in our struggle together and, and in our solidarity as like, you know, the, hopefully the ushers of a new world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wrote that song. I was like, dope. I have a song about climate change. And then I realized like, okay, I don't want to just slap a song about climate change on a record. I, I want to put this out as a single because it should be seen as like a singular thing. It should have importance. And then I reached out to my fans and I was like, yo, like, can you guys send me some like, like, blurbs about how you feel about climate change and i was just gonna use it in a i was just gonna use it in a video like i didn't even really have a plan Mm -hmm. i got such a massive quantity of lists like i it was unscrollable the amount of Mm -hmm. of comments i got it was like hundreds and hundreds this massive document and then i realized like wow i feel like i actually have an opportunity to like give a voice to people and like maybe do something with this so i started the evergreen project if you don't know what it is you can go google it but it's basically Mm -hmm. just it's basically, um, I, I took the, all these comments, I put it in something called the Evergreen Manuscript, 
with the intention of, uh, you know, uh, sending it to people with power, you know, whether they be in government, commerce, whatever, people that have, you know, power and, and a voice. Um, and I'm in the process of turning my charity, well, not my charity, but my organization into a foundation, an actual like proper organization. Mm-hmm. So um, once that happens, then I can I can do more. But I'm really excited about the Evergreen Project. Um, we're getting more entries, so I'm still just letting it grow. But um, yeah, it just really became bigger than me. And I was glad I was able to to make that statement and um, and connect with people. Yeah. And then you have, you guys did the mural, right? Down at, where's the mural? It's down in, uh, like, it's like Midtown, what? Yeah, it's in like the annex on this okay. uh, place called the, um, the Karma Co-op, which is a really dope, like, co-op grocery store. Okay. Um, super cool. It's like all co-op owned. It's super anarchist and dope. Um, <laughs> don't laugh at me, babe. Um, and it's just cool because they just, I, we reached out. I was like, okay, can we come paint a mural on your, your site? Mm-hmm. Um, we live streamed it. We had fans come by, sign the manuscript, help out with the mural. Um, and, uh, and just did like some community work and it was really, really, really cool. Yeah. It turned out really awesome. And I mean, I think I read that you guys did that in like five hours. Yeah. And it was that's, raining horrible. That's weather. insane. I, so I, one of my COVID projects was I painted a mural in my kitchen and I've probably oh, clocked yeah. like 40 hours into it and it's still not finished. <laughs> well, we, we, a, we were using spray paint and B. Yeah, I that's true. I, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm also using a paintbrush. So <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I also had an amazing artist um, addicted to milk box who her name's uh, she's sick. Just, just go, just look at addicted to milk look box at her on Instagram. She is so cool. She's like a rollerblading queen of art. <laughs> she's sick. I love her so much. Amazing, man. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, you were mentioning how, uh, you know, how you got signed really early. And, uh, first of all, uh, I'm pretty sure we were neighbors growing up. Cause I think, did you go to Earl Hag? I did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I went to Northern. Oh, so nice. Like, man. Yeah. Just down the road from each other, 15 minutes away. Cool. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, you graduated in like 2013 and then you had your first single out in 2014 and you were touring with like Sean Mendez and walk off the earth and Tegan and Sarah. Tell me what was going through your head at that time as a, you know, super young and green kid. What, you know, what was it? Did life feel surreal pretty much at that point? Dude, I didn't even know what was going on. Like, I mean, I spent half of my time in high school with like this record deal and then like put this record out and like my whole life changed and yeah, it was just crazy, man. I was just hanging on. Yeah. Still in. Were you, were you singing, like, were you singing bungalow at school? Like in the high school? No, no way. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like, you know, I don't know. I went to an art school, like all my friends listen to Joy Division and like freaking like, like, you know, the Smiths and stuff. And, and like, you know, I don't know. I had this song on the radio and it just, it was a crazy time. It was I just so crazy. Yeah, I couldn't imagine being in high school and having a song on the radio. Like just, yeah. It, it was really, really crazy. It still is. I'm still hanging on. I don't know what I'm doing. Nobody does. But <laughs> I mean, I learned so much and like, I mean, the I was so lucky. I got to travel all over the world. I still do. But I was like, what? I was like 18. I was going yeah. all over the place. Like, 
I saw Europe. I, I, I saw like, you know, I like all of the U S all of Canada in a matter of like two years, you know, it was just a really, it's, it was a crazy time and I was young and, um, I don't know. I don't think I've lost that feeling though. Like the sky's still the limit. And Amazing. like, do you I have still any, don't, I have any idea what the hell's going on. Do you have any like favorite <laughs> stories or like lessons learned, say from like the people that you got to tour with? Um, like I, I had the, the, uh, I had, uh, Gianni and Sarah from walk off the earth on this podcast and I just, I found them super inspiring artistically. Um, do you have any like kind of favorite memories? Oh man, I have so many, like walking around with beard guy and wherever the hell Germany, like drinking beer at every other place, like, you know, meeting fans, like in crazy parts of the world. And I, I remember this one memory, like, cause I had opened for walk off the earth first in the U S and then we did this Europe tour. Um, they like invited me on this Europe tour. And I remember like, I was in, I don't even know where, like Ghent, Germany or something. Yeah. And I remember, I remember watching this one fan in the front row belt out every word to this song. And I remember thinking to myself, like music has no, and this is cheese ball as hell, but like music has no border. Like it doesn't matter where you are in the world. Like a song will connect with someone in the exact same way. Like, yeah. because music just is, it is this thing. And it, it was yeah. just cool. Like, to realize that um that's like a, a cool memory i have but just all those nights standing backstage like i, I was on top of the world man yeah. like it was so crazy and there was so much to go and you're like you're like you're like nothing you know because you're mm -hmm. like this opening act but like just so green and like excited and just yeah really cool that is cool man <laughs> and, and it's yeah it is true like there's a there's this like really there was a rush documentary that came out a few years ago and Getty Lee was saying the same thing. I think it was like somewhere in Brazil and he like flubbed a line of his own song and like all the people in Brazil knew all the words. They probably didn't even understand what it meant, but <laughs> they knew the, like the words better than he did. It's pretty yeah, it's crazy, man. Um, and going a little nostalgic and I'll try and wrap up after this, but going a little nostalgic, um, I saw an amazing video you did at the 2018 Junos, um, where you did, uh, your kind of your own take on Bob Cajun, uh, by the, yes. Hit. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Like, was that something you said, I want to do this for this? And I um, can't even remember like the terms of what was going on. I think they wanted us to just like pick a Canadian song. And I, yeah. I picked that. I, I, I think that's one of the most beautiful songs ever written. Yeah. And the thing I love so much about it is how it involves like politics and, you know, police culture and all these things in this like love song. Mm. It, it's also to me really like humanizing song. And it, 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 it's about workers, you know, it's about mm. people who like the guy wants to quit his job because he loves his girl, you know, mm. but also like it's, it's about, fascism too and like the Aryan riot riots that have happened in Toronto and you know this cop facing like these white supremacists as far as that's how I've, I've interpreted the song um and uh I just connect with that as a Jewish person as well and I mean also this was at a time when like white supremacists were marching in in the U.S. with tiki torches chanting you know kill the Jews and they will not replace us and you know like this was just, I think, when 
the world started realizing that like we weren't playing around like this we were dealing with some real scary stuff and mm-hmm. that like you know serious serious bigotry was coming back to play mm-hmm. um and i just was not here for it and yeah so that's kind of why i chose the song and why i like you know <laughs> yelled about tiki torches on the cbc but um <laughs> you know yeah that's that's i think that's why i picked it have you it's you know it's it's funny like you know we you know especially now we 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 know how privileged we are to have grown up where we grow i mean you and i both grew up in midtown toronto and uh i remember it even just hitting me like a cold like a cold splash of water that like because i i grew up in the almost the same neighborhood as you half my i'm not jewish but half my friends were jewish yeah and, uh i remember uh my like my first relationship she had grown up in uh, like michigan somewhere and then went to school in mississauga and she came and hung came to a party that i invited her to and she's like i don't think i've ever met uh, a jewish person before yeah and we were, we were 21 we were 21 and i was like i was like what do you mean <laughs> And she was like, yeah, there was none where I grew up. And I was like, and she's like, half of your friends are Jewish. And I was like, yeah, because that's what it was. And it just blew my mind. I was like, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and it doesn't, it's not necessarily just for, for Judaism, but like anything, you know, uh, just, it really is a blessing to come from where we come from. A hundred percent. I feel so lucky to be from the city and, you know, um, yeah, it's true. I mean, I've met a lot of people. Like, I I go to LA a lot, and like LA mm. in LA, like a lot of people are like from Milwaukee or like, you know, it's just a hodgepodge. And like a lot of small town people that came to LA, and and I'll be like, yo, I'm Jewish, and they'd be like, yo, I've never met a Jew before. And I'm like, that's yeah. so cool. What's up? Hi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And not that again, and not that she was anything. She was just like, wow, no, I, I've never seen, I like, I've never met Jewish. She, I don't even think she thought about it. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just blew my mind. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, I had you know where we come from. We have friends of of you know of every shape and size, and it's uh, it really is a blessing. It really is a blessing because I until I was an adult, I never thought twice about it. You know, <laughs> I think so too. And yeah, like yeah, like in a place like LA or here or like you know, I feel like I can go. I can go so many places in the world and like, I can understand, you know, a preliminary in a preliminary way, like anybody, because I'm from Toronto, yeah. you know, like, like there's so many kinds of people here. There's like, even just on the street that I live, like there's Ethiopian restaurants, there's, there's like Latin restaurants. There's mm-hmm. like, there's so many cultures. There's yeah. a Jamaican spot. There's like a, you know, uh, there's a bar down in Kensington. That's like, like a black power bar. It's just such a wicked place to be yeah. from. It's funny too. Like right? it's funny you mentioned that even too, because we're if you're if you like good food, we're so blessed here in Toronto that like oh, I've literally exactly. traveled places and I'm like, I've had better this food in Toronto than, than I here. Know. <laughs> I know it's horrible to say. But yeah, yeah. But uh anyways, man, I've uh, I've taken up enough of your time. Um, oh, all really, good, dude. Yeah, I really appreciate you doing this, and uh, I'm really excited to uh, to hear more of what you've got coming out. And uh, you know, hopefully, uh, a little bit of time from now, we'll be able to do this again in person. For sure, dude. Thank you so much for the chat. Yeah, man. Alrighty, you have a good day. Eh? You too, man. See ya.
Adamantium. Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.